Hello and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 26. got an email from a listener which touched a chord with me. Um, I won't say her name just in case she doesn't want to be identified, but here's what she said. If you have time to focus one of your podcasts in the future on worry or rather worrying less, I would be forever grateful. Mostly my worry comes from internal feelings to situations, worrying about not pleasing my work colleagues, my boss, worrying I'm not doing enough for the kids in my class, worrying I'm meant to reach all these particular life milestones at certain ages, like when is the right time to have kids, etc., etc. Uh, worrying I've said the wrong thing to a friend, uh, the list goes on. As I'm sure you can both understand, worry can take up a lot of energy and result in mental exhaustion. Do you have any tips or strategies that you use to ensure worry does not take over? Now, anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while will know that I personally, um, if Olympic medals were handed out for worrying, I would win gold every time. (laughs) So please, please make worrying an event at the Olympics because then Australia, you just rake it in off the back of me. (laughs) Um, So every single thing that our listener has mentioned there, I have worried about. Um, But Brooke, I don't get the impression that too much worries you these days. Um, would that be accurate or is it that just compared to me, you look chilled out as, <laughs> as chilled can be? <laughs> it's just everybody compared to Kelly is as chilled as you can be. Uh, I think like both of those things apply in equal measure. <laughs> <laughs> Help me, Brooke. <laughs> And our listener too. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, our listener, Cal, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't just write that as an excuse to have an episode on this. <laughs> we could have genuine we email. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> but seriously, like worry is something that is such a massive weight on people. And I I used to be a like a massively ridiculous worrier. And over the last, I'd say, five years, kind of about the same period of time in which I've been actively trying to slow down and simplify and, you know, find peace and be present in my life, the worrying has decreased. I think I'm like I'm a natural worrier. I, I live in my head a lot mm. and I, over, I still do overthink things quite a bit, but I've stopped worrying more specifically, I think. Than I, I did certainly when I was a teenager. I just spent like hours and hours in angst and you know stress that I'd said the wrong thing or replaying conversations. Oh over man, and over. like endlessly, <laughs> endlessly doing that and just tying myself in knots. I had stomach ulcers when I was sixteen because oh, I was such God. a stressed out teenager, you know. Um, and it's really been like a, a process of more than a decade to kind of slowly start to learn different ways of dealing with that. So I'm, I, I, I do still worry, but I'm, it's certainly not a big, it's not having a big impact on my life anymore. I think I'm much more kind of free and easy than I, I used to be uh, even, even just a couple of years ago. But when our kids were little, um, those first couple of years, particularly like I pretty much only just, experienced worry 
Yeah. (laughs) Every thought, every word, every sentence that came out of my mouth, every... Everything that I kind of grabbed onto in my brain, it was always, I'm worried about, or I'm worried that I'm not doing, or I'm worried that I said, or I'm worried that this thing that I did was wrong. And it was, I mean, (laughs) it was part of a bigger picture of, you know, postnatal depression and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. But it was such like a drain, you know, mentally and emotionally. And uh, I'm incredibly grateful that I don't worry nearly as much anymore. Oh, yeah, I, I'll never forget being in hospital when Jaden was born and I just looked at this baby and I was just, I completely, completely freaked out because I was like, how on earth am I going to keep you alive for the next, like, I don't know, 20-odd years till you can take responsibility for that yourself? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just, and, yeah, uh, kids certainly have triggered off a huge amount of worry for me. So my thinking... I think my worrying comes, I don't know if I'm a control freak to manage my worrying or if I worry because I am a control freak. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. First? Yeah, or, I don't know. Or maybe it's just one of those actual chicken, um, chicken and egg kind of situations where like neither of them comes first and neither of them comes second. But yeah, I so there's part of me that goes, as long as I've worried about something, if it happens, I won't be blindsided by it. And I think a lot of that it plays into it. I go like I can't bear the thought of ever being blindsided by something. So I figure that as long as I've worried about it, <laughs> it will be helpful. But having said that, like there have things that have happened in my life that have completely blindsided me and I don't certainly didn't look at them and go I'd be feeling a lot better right now if I'd actually worried about this yeah yeah (laughs) yeah. so it doesn't actually bring you a whole heap of um like comfort in a time when you are blindsided or surprised or something challenging comes up anyway no Uh, is that that what you like you you've discovered kind of that the worrying when when something happens and you haven't worried about it because probably because you hadn't considered it yeah um and you're like that's not a thought that you have I wish I had have worried about this no that's it it doesn't enter my mind that mm. if only I'd worried about this I'd be be dealing with this situation a lot better right now and and the same goes for things that I do worry about and then they happen like again having worried about it doesn't make it any better no. but this is it. But this is a problem. I rationalize with my brain a lot about this stuff and my brain cannot be rationalized with. It's like seems determined to worry. And in the end, what I do, so I, I, I guess I kind of learned this from my triathlon day is that um, I loved racing, but of course you get anxious before a race. And if you get, you, there's a certain level of anxiety that's a good level, like you want to be um, I aroused a certain level of arousal to race well mm-hmm. but if you go too far then you won't and um I, I found the only way to get to that optimum level of arousal without going over the line into where it was detri- going to be detrimental to my performance was like I would go da 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 boom get to a point and then I'd put it put that in a box in the back of my brain and simply not think about it right and so that's kind of, you know, so this is for our listener now because um, she's like, do you have any tips or strategies that you use to ensure worry does not take over? Well, this is what I do. Like 
I get to a certain point where I where worry is affecting my life in a negative fashion, and I just have to take that thing, put it in a box, and I literally visualize this. I literally put it in a box and tuck it away in the back corner of my brain. I don't know if this is helpful. Like I don't know if this is the right or wrong way to deal with things, but this is the only way that I can function otherwise. Yeah. I don't think that they're like – in that instance, I don't think there's a right or wrong way. Like you're noticing that this worry, this excessive worry is having an impact and it's not a good one. You're like, what can I do to, to deal with that? And that's what's working. You know, for me, it's been uh, like that probably would have been helpful for me a few years ago to be able to, to package it up and go, all right, you're not serving me. Off you go. Like tuck you away in the back of my brain until, you know, I actually need to worry about you. Um, for me, it's been more of a, a slow process of improving my approach to worry, I guess. I'll just basically ask myself, like, what are you worrying about? Let's say it's an upcoming speaking gig, right? Is there anything that you can do about that worry right now? Well, no, because the speaking gig's happening. But what I can do is start to prepare for it. Do you, like, do you need to start preparing for it right now? Yes, then do it. No, then don't and stop worrying about it until you do, you know. So it's kind of – it's not dissimilar. It's sort of compartmentalizing the idea that is the worry, so the speaking gig, going do I need or can I do something about that right now? Yes, then do it. No, then don't worry about it, you know. So it's really just kind of taking back the energy that those worries were sucking from my brain when there was – quite literally nothing I could do about it. Same if you're waiting for a blood test result or something Mm. like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of those, those, those issues, those, those times of waiting can be terrifying, but worrying, like sitting there actively stewing in your own terror is not going to make it come any quicker. It's not going to make the result any different. It's just, it's going to be what it is. And that takes practice first of all because some days I suck at it some Mm. days I willingly jump into that terrace stew and go I'm not getting out of here (laughs) yeah but you know other times it's really helpful to say yeah like yes it's horrifying and terrifying and you know I don't know what's going to happen and this uncertainty is killing me but then to just go yeah but what you're doing right now isn't helping it's not going to help anything at all in fact it's just taking you out of other areas of your life that you could otherwise either be engaged with or enjoying or working on so for me, it's kind of a the antithesis to worry is action. It's either action yeah. in, in the issue that's bothering me, so it's sitting down and doing half an hour of work on the speaking presentation, or it's going and doing something completely different because, you know, I'm worrying, I can't do anything about it anyway, let's go and spend this energy doing something positive and worthwhile. Yeah, well, that's it. I've got like a little list of in my notes here called how I manage my worrying Um, and and number one on that list is get busy very busy um so last last Tuesday I think it was I um found found this lump in my leg on my shin which you know it's just a really really weird place to have a lump in your leg and of course what did my brain do it's jump straight to cancer and then it's jump straight to I'm gonna lose my leg uh, and I won't be able to run ever again. And um, this house that we're building, that's a two-story house. We're going to have to sell it. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my head, people. 
it's a really fun place to hang out. <laughs> so I'd seen the doctor that morning and she said, look, I don't think there's anything to worry about, but let's just get a scan on it because I know that you're freaking out. Um, and so I managed to get a scan for later that day, uh, ultrasound on it. So then I had like, you know, obviously like six or seven hours before I was going to get this, this ultrasound. Um, and so I kind of sat down to do some work going, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be useless here. I'm not going to be able to do anything. Why am I even bothering? But you know what? Like the more I immersed my, you know, it was kind of like I kind of came up for air four hours later and I was like, oh, I feel a lot better mm. now. I really, really like I just did get lost in what I was doing. It was quite brain heavy kind of stuff, which I thought I wasn't going to be able to do because uh, my brain was too busy freaking out. Um, and yeah, as soon as I like kind of redirected my brain's energy towards that that stuff, yeah, I just, yeah, it was amazing how like I came out of it the other side. Like I was pretty much like I was just about having a, a full-blown anxiety attack when I first sat down. Um, and then, yeah, when I kind of finished what I was doing, I was like, oh, I do feel a lot better now. And so I kind of just kept going with that. I just kept going with the busyness until I went and had that ultrasound, which they're pretty confident is nothing to worry about. So I can park that. Yeah, it's yeah. still there, that lump. I'm still feeling it every day going, what are you? What are you? Go away. <laughs> and they're like, we think it's like a hematoma-ish kind of thing. So it was going to take a while, Kelly. <laughs> and I think that that's the difficult thing, isn't it? When you're like, there's no way to hurry up that process. Yeah. You know, it's just, um, it, it like it's something that you have to just live with. And as you said, so I, I imagine that just putting that worry in its box and going, well, I can't, I can't do anything more with you. Like I've done my worrying. I acknowledge that I'm worried about this thing. Now I'm putting it away. I'm going to move on and do something else until the time comes to worry, which might be for the 15 minutes that you're waiting at the doctor's surgery. You know, like yeah. I, I do think there's a time for worry and I don't think that we need to demonize the idea of worrying uh, and make it f seem like this kind of over-emotional dramatic response that we can do without because like, it's, it's, Human nature, you care about people, you love people, you know, you, you're invested in, in situations. You're going to, to be concerned about the outcome of, of all those things at some point. But I do think that there's a point where it's, it just stops being at all helpful. <laughs> yeah, well, once, it, once you stop being able to function, I think is that that's a fairly clear sign that yeah. <laughs> it's a time to do something. And actually, I really liked one of the tips I found online where it said, um, it said, like a lot of the tips for managing worrying like just made me want to stab myself. I was like, that's just not going to work. Sorry. Like, do you, do you do people worry, you people who are writing these articles? <laughs> but I did see a good one where it said, set aside a certain part of the day for worrying. So set aside like 30 minutes where you can let everything run through your mind of everything that's worrying you. And at the end of that 30 minutes, you got to go, okay, I'm done now. And I've actually, since I've read that, <clears throat> I've given it a go. Like I said, like I said to myself, okay, I'm going to go for a walk, uh, for a half hour walk. And for this whole half hour walk, like everything that's bothering me, I'm going to let it run through my head. But then once I walk back in the house, I just got to park that in the corner of my brain and be done with it for today. And that was actually really, really effective. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, on the face of it, I would have thought that for me that idea would not work. Like yeah. I'd be like, well, if I open that door into my worrying 
you know, area of my brain, it might be hard to close it again. Yeah, right. But I think that if I did, um, and as I have done previously, do like my morning pages, which is something else that you've mentioned Mm. uh, in the notes, like often, particularly if I'm just coming back into the practice of my morning pages, so just doing three longhand handwritten pages of stream of consciousness, almost always worry comes out in that. So I guess that is in one in some capacity like a, a, a way of just opening the floodgates and, you know, Worry, yes, is part of it, but there was also always other things in there too. But it was interesting to see that over time, maybe after a week or so of getting back into that practice, the writing would stop being so anxious. Like, yeah, it's sort of like I let it out and it wasn't, it just didn't keep, it didn't keep sort of regenerating. It's just out and gone, you know, which, so I, I guess there is, that could that could work, particularly if you are finding yourself really anxious about certain things. Yeah, I mean, um, I definitely think the act of writing things out is really powerful because it's almost like when you write things out, like you do look at them a bit more um, dispassionately and you kind of go, that's not as big a deal. Exactly. As I thought. Or if you're being completely irrational, like when I'm like jump from lump in my leg to amputation selling my house, um, when you put that down on paper. <laughs> Sorry. Like I'm not laughing at you. <laughs> You're so laughing at me and that's fine because I think it's just it, it's ridiculous and I can see that it's ridiculous um, but it doesn't stop my brain doing no, it. Yeah, and it's fine and I think that's why I feel like I can laugh at you at the situation, not you yourself, at, like, at your thoughts. Sorry, go on. But, but, but once you write that down and you look at it on a piece of paper like – it's like legitimately ridiculous and you can <laughs> legitimately see like, wow, Kelly, that's, that's too far. That's too, you're too far gone there. And it kind of just, yeah, you kind of then get to laugh at it and then it's much easier to kind of go, okay, I can dial this back a few notches now really? to just the lump in my leg that they like, might need to cut out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. they probably don't need to take the whole leg off. We'll shrink it yet. from house-sized to lump-sized. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we can deal with that. I think that's that's really helpful though. To, like, how can you diminish the worry? Yes. You know? And it could be. I spoke to a guy on um, my other podcast who used, he he didn't do morning pages. He didn't like writing, but he would record himself just oh. free form thinking, like basically the the verbal version of morning pages. But he would record himself every morning, and he would go back after a couple of months and watch them. And he would laugh at himself and the yeah. things that were worrying him and because he had that perspective. So, you know, there's different ways of diminishing those concerns, not because they're not important, because they might well be important, but because we blow them they're, they're out not of helpful. That's right. Yeah. And I think we all do know when something that we're worrying about is not helpful. So I think we're all reasonably self-aware enough to know that. And, yeah, I love what you just said about what can we do to just – stop the catastrophizing and <laughs> <laughs> and diminish and diminish things right back and almost like like take the whole if this was your friend talking to you saying this like what would you say back to them yes you'd say okay kelly i think you're being you're going a little bit too far take a breath <laughs> just take a breath yeah. <laughs> it's funny like the things that i do still find myself worrying about now are, are either very big and i i'm finding them actually much easier to let go of because 
I can't, I can't spend my kids' first 18 years worried about the adults they're going <laughs> yeah. to, to grow into, you know, <laughs> like these big, huge things. Like I can't, I can't actually live my life being completely, you know, consumed by worry. But it's little things. Like uh, a few weeks ago I made an offhand comment on someone's Facebook um, <laughs> post and <laughs> she, she didn't respond, which was fine. That, that wasn't the problem. I'm like, oh, that really could have been misconstrued to sound really nasty. And I sat on this for about two days worrying that this person (laughs) now hates me because I sounded like I was being a massive bitch on Facebook when I was just being my (laughs) stupid sarcastic self. So I wrote to her. (laughs) I did. I did. And she's like, she's someone who I haven't known for a long time, but she's just my people. Like she's, she's quirky and um, you know, all up in her head. And I wrote to her and I'm like, so you know the one where <laughs> where you, uh, you know, spend two days freaking out that you've offended someone? And I, I just kind of laughed it off but also felt like I had to say something. Yeah, yeah. And then I said, but then what follows, of course, is you saying something and then feeling like a crazy person for saying it. And she just wrote back, welcome to my world. <laughs> so in that case, just That's going, awesome. what am I worried about? Okay, deal with it. Meet it full on. <laughs> In the yeah. face. And it was nothing. And now, you know, she was someone who I loved anyway. And now I love her even hard, harder because she's just, she's me. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I totally subscribe to that whole thing that, because I, I do this all the time. I say something because I too have a bent towards sarcasm, which I've had to really dial back <laughs> since operating in the online world because there's no sarcasm font. I know. In that, I and that's really, really big omission. The person that develops that will pay you lots of money because, because yeah, so I have to be really careful how I word things because it would be so easy for, for me to come across sounding like a bit of a cow. And, um, but in those situations where you say something and then you spend two days thinking about it, I fully endorse the method of going to that person and just saying, look, I said this thing. <laughs> I just want to check that you didn't take it the wrong way. I know I'm overthinking this, but the only way that I'm going to be able to move on is for you to tell me I didn't even notice. <laughs> which exactly. Is, which is 90% of the time what they say, I didn't even notice or give it a second thought. That's right. Essentially, people have like one of two reactions in those situations. They're like, <laughs> what are you actually talking about? <laughs> or, yes. yeah, um... Yeah, I did wonder, but now I'm glad that you cleared it up. Thanks. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, 99 times out of 100, it's going to be the former rather than the latter. But uh, I just, yeah, I, I really, and I mean, I guess that is more about yourself than it is about the person because you're yes. the one carrying it around. So, you know, you need to weigh up whether or not it's needy <laughs> to do that. But, uh, you know, why, why the hell not worry about that as well? Uh, <laughs> So that's it. So the um, listener who, who left us, who sent us this email, I guess one of the major things that she wanted to talk about was, you know, worrying about what other people think of you, um, which is something oh, far out. Like I've, I've had to learn to stop doing that. Yeah, I learned like, to realise that people probably don't think about yeah, you much at all. they're just not. And I think you, the only way that I came to that realisation is by – looking at my own behavior like do I spend all day thinking about offhand things that people have said to me yeah no I just I can't think of any so therefore if I say something offhand to someone 
they're probably not giving it too much bandwidth either. And that's where I just have to, every time I catch myself obsessing about something and it's a situation where I can't go back to that person and go, you know that thing I said, just checking that you don't hate me. Um, <laughs> like if, it, if I can't do that, I just have to kind of re- over and over in my mind go, they don't care. They're not thinking about it. People don't think about you as much as you think they do. No, well, you, uh, people are thinking about their own their own stuff, their own issues, their own work, their own family, yeah. their own worries, you know. Um, so I think, and again, like it's really easy to say that. It's a completely different thing <laughs> yeah. to start to live with it and accept the fact that they're probably not thinking of you at all. Um, but I think just a constant reminder of ourselves, first of all, that that's the case, but then also just... Okay, well, okay. So, so what if, so what if they're thinking ill? Yeah. Like, what yeah. can I or what will I do about? It? Like, am I actually going to send them an email and say, "Hey, <laughs> um, didn't mean to sound rude," or am I not? And if you're not, then stop worrying about it. You know. Try, yeah. Just, exactly. Just let it go because they're going to do what they're going to do, and we don't ever get the we don't ever get you know insight into other people's thoughts other than what they share with us anyway. So. You know, it's just, it's something that we can literally not do anything about. We cannot control it. We cannot change it. We just have to accept it and let it go. And I think for me anyway, that that's become easier the more, uh, you know, self-assured I am. You know, Mm. I've done, I've been myself. I think myself is okay. You know, I, I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't done anything that sits badly with me then don't worry about it because <laughs> if, yeah. if that's someone that they don't like, then that's okay. It's a lot easier, I find, to accept that people don't either don't think about you at all or don't <laughs> yeah. like you, uh, you know, when you're yourself. I find that much easier than when I'm, I've been pretending to be someone else or putting on a face or, or a front. Oh, sure. And also I think like just getting older, I mean, I've been told, I've been reliably informed that once you hit 40, which for me is like just over a year away, you literally just stop caring yeah. what other people think about you, and I can't wait for that. <laughs> that's been my thirties already. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've definitely been better. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I've definitely been better in my thirties. Like, definitely, the older I get, the less I obsess about what other people think about me. The less I try to control. I think that's the other thing. Like, and this is another thing you operating in the online world. Um. Is and I think we talked about this a little bit in our episode last week. It's about the whole consistency thing. Like you know, we're in trying to be consistent in how we portray ourselves all the time. We're trying to control what other people think about us, and I think it's like maybe when we're a little bit inconsistent that that's when we start obsessing. Yes, or, or maybe maybe I'm saying we. Maybe I should say me. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I start obsessing, and then I just have to remember that fire out like. No one's, first of all, keeping score. Like there's no score sheet going, you know, you said this, this, this. Like we're not politicians. No one's trying to get us, catch us out, saying something that we said two weeks ago and changing our mind now. So, yeah, I just have to remind myself of that and go, no one is consistent all the time. You can't, you, Kelly, cannot control as much as you would like to what every single person out there thinks about you and really the only people that you care about are your friends. And I think that's where I've gotten to. Like I've gotten to the fact of I know who my friends are. um, I care what they think 
and I would they're the ones that I would follow up with and go um I said this and I'm just making sure you didn't take it the wrong way but if someone's kind of like you know they're an acquaintance but they're not like a friend like I've kind of drawn a line there and gone that they're going to think whatever they want is don't don't try to change what they think yeah that's, a, that's actually a really helpful distinction to make as well, I think, because if they're peripheral people, um, then they have little impact on your life as well. So, you know, like our, our listener mentioned work colleagues and her boss yeah. as well. So that's like they may not be friends, but they do have an impact on her life and vice versa, you know. So that's someone whose opinion she values and who, you know, she wants to work positively with. So you know what I mean? Like they're, yeah, they're, they're within the circle of, of circles of influence in her life. It's particularly when they start like thoughts and, and concerns about people who have no bearing start to Im- yes. Im- impose on your life that it becomes even kind of heavier. So yeah, that's definitely a real, real problem. Is and I think we it's a good thing to kind of just be aware about that if you're letting what your thoughts about what peripheral people might or might not think about you affect your life like that's something you've got to like there's first of all there's something you can't actually do anything about so you kind of got to stop worrying about it. it's a bit your thing like if if there's no action that can be taken then you just got to move on from it but like say it's your boss and you're not sure where you stand with them then I in that situation and this is something I've always done like I'll be really upfront with my boss and say you know I feel like you might be thinking this and every single time without fail I've been wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's important though too. I mean, cause I, I'm not, I probably wouldn't unless it was obvious that there was a problem kind of do that. And I think sometimes we just need to learn to take people at their word too you know? yes. and stop, yes. stop the internal dialogue that's saying, well, they're saying that I'm doing a good job, but I'm probably not, you know, like just yeah. take people at their word. If they're not having, if there's no issue, then there's no issue, you know? And, and, Again, like I'm just reading over the email that our listener um, sent through and she mentioned it's like her internal feelings. It's not yeah. really anything to do with, uh, you know, what's happening externally. It's more how she's kind of chewing on it and, and constantly going over and over yes. and over it. And, um, yeah, I think in that case sometimes you just say, well, what what did my boss say that, you know, this is great or he didn't say anything and you just have to assume that that's okay as well, you know, if there's a problem they'll talk they'll to you about tell it. You. Yeah. That's it. So that's it. I mean, I, like, if you don't have anything else to say on this topic, I'm going to wrap up with a quote. Please do. You know I love a quote. <laughs> <laughs> you like a tidy ending. <laughs> so you like a tidy ending. Um, and yes, I've got, so my favorite quote about worry that I return to over and over again when I'm far too much in my head is the one from Winston Churchill who said, I remember the story of the old man who said on his deathbed that he'd had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which had never happened. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag LetItBePod or uh, head over to LetItBe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt 
you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And, um, you know, we, we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, podcast.